0: What do you do when the events of life knock you down and kick you around? When those around you are cruel and hateful? When they seem to enjoy putting you in the crosshairs? Targeting you? for whatever they have in mind. This was David. This is where he has been. He was attacked, he was maligned, he was mauled, he was brutalized by those he should have been able to trust. Loved ones, confidants, family members those he should have been able to trust. Instead, they turned on him, they they, they betrayed him. So how does David navigate events such as this? And how does he do it with uh, such a thankful heart? David is known for his heart, isn't he? And what about you and me? Where does this message find us this morning? I ask this because uh, the events of life may not be grinding away right now, but they will be. It's one of those things that occurs throughout life. A doctor's report, a neighbor who doesn't like you, people at work who delight in making your life miserable. none of us are exempt, and uh, what does all this have to do with Thanksgiving? They said I was supposed to do a thanksgiving message i'm I'm preaching through James, and we're at the part where it says don't slander. I thought that's a good. Thanksgiving message. What does all this have to do with Thanksgiving anyway? Well, look at what David does when the world turns caustic. Uh, off the top, David finds security in the fact that God knows him. The first stanza of this uh, uh, four stands a psalm that uh, John read this morning. God knows David. And when I say God knows him I mean really knows David. The nuts and bolts of, of who he is. Everything down to the, the most minute detail. The inside and outside of who David is. Psalm 1. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I I sit and when I rise up. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is, is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. The, the Lord knows you. Think that through. How it applies. Where you've been, where you're going. The little things. He knows you, He, he knows me. Our reservations, our, our regrets our joys, our delights. He knows us. Our innermost thoughts and and feelings. David has come to the realization uh, of how wonderful this is, how awesome it is that such a thing is uh, the bedrock of thanksgiving. Most of us don't ordinarily experience this in our lives, do we? We... uh, We get so caught up in the mundane activities of uh, the daily events. We kind of get swallowed up in them. We get up in the morning and immediately start thinking about them, and pretty soon they, they swallow us up. Jason spoke about this last week, didn't he? We're drugged down. Wonder happens when we realize that God knows us personally, individually, intimately. The ins and outs, the ups and downs, the in-betweens, the, the, the longs and shorts of who we are as individuals. I came across a story about a, uh, a young gal, her name's uh, Amanda Bresdine, it's in uh, uh, the Associated Press and they, they wrapped her story around the old adage, ignorance is bliss. But she would be the first to tell you that ignorance uh, is not bliss. It can have unexpected consequences and and sometimes dangerous consequences. Uh, She had gained 30 pounds in the past year, which she thought was due to uh, rich foods and the fact that she quit smoking. After several days of abdominal pain, the 26-year-old... woman went to the emergency room and uh, what she didn't expect to do was turn home with a newborn baby alexander Brezine was shocked when she was found out she was nine months pregnant everything was normal as as far as i knew she said i, I didn't know how i didn't know I, I just didn't know and while her ignorance could have only produced uh... a new addition to her family it could have had disastrous results. When they did the ultrasound they found that her amniotic fluid was extremely low, dangerously low, and her baby was struggling to stay alive. Fortunately, uh, an emergency c-section successfully delivered him. Fact is, what we don't know, what we don't realize, can hurt us. In contradiction to that Old adage, ignorance may not be bliss at all. The Lord knows us. He knows me. He knows you. Better than we know ourselves. Nothing is beyond him. Nothing is hidden from him. He knows us. Look at David's response, verse 6. Such knowledge is, is, is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Yes, things may have happened in David's life, but David never stopped looking to the Lord, trusting in the Lord. He never stopped realizing his his sovereign hand on his life. David kept going in faith. Regardless of what was happening around him, he kept going by faith. Wonder also happens when we realize that God is concerned about us. That's the the second standard, verses 7 through 12. God not only knows us, He is concerned about us personally. He is is present in in my life. And He's concerned about how I proceed through life. That's another huge acknowledgement. A realization that ought, ought to be a, a, a wonderful thought for each of us, a, a point of thanksgiving for each of us. I don't know about you, but thoughts like this don't, don't often happen, and when they do, they stop me in my tracks. They kind of jolt me to a stop. You, you kind of know it, but you've not really realized it personally and how relevant it is, how, how it plays into the events of life. What a what a wonderful thought it is. Verse 7, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light will become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day. For darkness is as light to you. Well, the first stanza has to do with God's unbelievable knowledge of us. This stanza has to do with his ever-present involvement in our lives. He's... uh, omniscient, and he's omnipresent. He's not just aware, he's here. Verse 10. <clears throat> Even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. I hope you hear the, the love and tenderness, the intim- intimacy of that statement. Uh, John's version of this psalm talked about putting the hand on the head. David talks about the, God's hands on us. This is talking about his love, his tenderness, his intimacy in our lives. Yes, he puts his hand on our heads like a mother does her baby. Wherever you go, God is there. Why? Because he cares. Because he's concerned. Because he's involved. Even if you try to hide from him, he's there. So often when we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing, we think we can hide it from God. We think we can sneak off. There's not a place in your house where you can hide from God. You can't even go into a bank and lock yourself in a vault that God can't find you in there. In fact, not only can he find you, he's there with you already, isn't he? If you understand this psalm. Jonah discovered this, didn't he? The prophet tried to escape God, tried not to do what he'd been called to do. Our Lord's concern for us run deeper than even ours does. I, I don't know if you know Coach Tony Dungy's story. Um, some of the men may. There might be a couple of women who like football that do as well. I don't know. But his story is amazing. Coach Dungey thought he was done in football when he was fired from the Buccaneers. He says, I will admit that when I was let go at Tampa Bay, I thought it was over. Soon he discovered that God still had a place for him in football. In 2002, Dungey took over a coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Then, uh, late in 2005, as the, the, the Colts charged towards the, the postseason, Dungee and his family experienced a parent's worst nightmare. Their uh, oldest son, James, 18 at the time, killed himself. James left no suicide note. So there was... Uh, They don't know the reason for the suicide. It's a mystery even today. Dungy says that experience only reinforces his belief that life has its peaks and its valleys. But God is there always. God is there always. What What a statement, huh? A statement of faith down in the, the valleys. I don't know where this Thanksgiving season finds you. Whether you're on a peak or whether you're in a valley or somewhere in between. I don't know what's happened, but I do know this. God is there always. He never leaves. He never goes anywhere. He's there Moving on to the third stanza, we find that wonder happens when we we grasp the fact that we are his workmanship. Verses 13 through 18, they're often quoted uh, as a source of God's creative involvement in our birth. But the, the, the point is really much larger than that. David has, has personalized the fact that he is a divine creation. He's not some mindless accident in, in primordial glue, not glue, goo. Somebody asked me the other day if my stomach was uh, flat, and I said, yes, only the L is silent. I guess I stuck the L in this word, huh? Primordially, primordial goo. He realized he was a divine creation. He realized he was thoughtfully and purposefully made. A creation who recognizes that God is fully and actively involved in his life. This brings us to a question. Every one of us in this room to a question. Have we realized that we are divine creations, individually a divine creation? Have we realized that we have been thoughtfully and purposefully made, not created and abandoned? Oh, no, God has his, his hands on our life. This is the third awesome understanding. Verse 13. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Yes, God knows us. Yes, he cares for us. Why? Because we are his workmanship. We are his children. He created, created us. He made us. Each and every one of us. But it, it wasn't some sterile act. That's the point when this psalm uses the word hands. It was an act of love. God is there. He's still involved because He loves you. A poll conducted by uh, Newsweek and Beliefnet. asked, do you believe that God created the universe? Uh, 80% uh, said yes, God created the universe. 10% no, God didn't create. 1% said they didn't believe in God, and uh, 9% said they didn't know. I'm sure most of those uh, respondents uh, answered this question uh, academically. God created or he didn't create, the, the question is a, a simple academic question. But think about it. It's more relevant than that. And that's, that's what David is talking about here. It's more relevant that, than that. He is a divine creation. Someone has said either there is a God or there isn't. Both pol- possibilities are frightful. Because uh, if there's a God, we better find out who he is and find out what he wants and do what he says. If there is no God, then we're in trouble because we're hurtling into space at 66,000 miles an hour and nobody's in charge. Yes, it's a a relevant question, a a life-determining question. Paul opens his letter to the church at Philippi with this thought. He says, uh, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God isn't finished. He's still at work in our lives. Yes, he created us, but that creation process isn't finished. What a wonderful place to hang our Thanksgiving, this Thanksgiving season, isn't it? Understanding God's place, his presence, his involvement in our lives, bringing his blessings to bear in our lives. Such an understanding causes us to look at life from an entirely different perspective. This brings us to the fourth stanza. It certainly offers an odd contrast to the, the previous three. The previous three have been centered on, uh, on the Lord. This one looks at mankind. And the tone changes dramatically. It looks at what's wrong with our world. Uh, David turns his attention to the, the, the underbelly of mankind. The ugly, hateful side of mankind. And this is what caused him to write this psalm to start out with. This are the events of life that caused him to write the psalm to begin with. Verse 19. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Almost out of nowhere, David lashes out at humanity. He would blot mankind out if he, could, if he had his way. Where does all this come from in this psalm that's really about the wonder of God? Where is the the thanksgiving in this last stanza? Well, as I've said, people had turned against David. They had betrayed him. They had stabbed him in the back. Uh, Events had a a decidedly sour tinge to them. David was experiencing what would embitter almost anybody, things that... uh, aggravate, things that disillusion, things that exasperate, things that poison life. Has your life been poisoned? What's happened in your life? What is going on in your life that has added a, a, a sour tinge to it? So much so that you have trouble seeing beyond it. Fact is, people are not inherently good. Mankind is evil, sinful. The theological term is totally depraved. A house robbed. A young couple brutalized. Three thugs running through our neighborhoods. Another shooting. People wounded. People dead. All because somebody was angry. The mother of a, a little boy who starved to death now has an infant choked to death and is now under arrest. Could go on, but, but you get the idea. Maybe more personally, a job that drains you each day leaves you sobering. A spouse that's uh, continually at your throat. Or worse, one who has betrayed you. David has been pulled into the dregs of life. He's, he, he's wallowing. But he really doesn't stay there, does he? He doesn't live there. No, he looks beyond that. Way beyond that. Realizing the Lord in his life. In awesome wonder, praising him. Thankful for his place, his presence, his involvement in his life. David knows that God is always there. Always at work. God has not reached out his hand of judgment on mankind, you and I might. We might uh, enact our vengeance on those around us if we could, but not God, but not David. Why? Because he's looking to God. He thinks it. He deals with it. He he moves through it. And he looks at God. Even sinful man is secure in God's hand. Think that through. Even sinful man is secure in God's hand. He he stays his judgment until the last possible moment, hoping for repentance. Here, too, is something to marvel at. What a wonderful thing God's graciousness is. Especially since none of us deserve it. It's another place to rest our thankfulness, isn't it? On my desk, uh, I like to display, writes Craig Bryan Larson, the kind of gift book you put on a coffee table. Those filled with professional photos. My My current book is called America's Spectacular Parks. For several days, I've had the book open to a page of the Grand Teton Mountains, and an extra-wide photo that, that not only fills the left page, but across the fold and halfway across the page on the right. It's a majestic display of, of deep blue sky, rugged gray snow-capped mountains, and a, and a calm lake in the foreground. If you don't know where that is, talk to me afterwards. I'll tell you about it it's a gorgeous place. this fellow says this morning I decided to turn the page to the the next photo and and as I did I noticed I had missed something the right page of the Grand Tetons was an an extra long folded over page so when I I opened it up it not only revealed what was covered up but added another eight inches to the Grand Tetons. In other words, when I opened it, the fold, I added some 16 inches to the width of the photo. The Grand Tetons became even grander. Craig Brian Larson comments, the Christian life has unfolding moments like that. When we discover there's much more to God than we, we knew much more to his purpose than we ever imagined. What do you see about mankind? So revolting, so vile. What do you see when you open the page of God's graciousness? Yes, you find his graciousness and mercy even for fallen mankind. When David asked God to search him, by the way, he's not... He's not claiming sinlessness or perfection or some um, superior sanctimoniousness. No, in fact, he realizes his own sin. What David is alluding to is a faith that changes it all. A faith that puts God first. No, not because David's perfect, but because he trusts in such a wonderful God. Augustine once was once accosted by a heathen. Who uh, shoved his idol into his face. And he said. Here's my God. Where's yours? Augustine uh, replied. I, I, I cannot show you my God. Not because there is no God to show. But because you have no eyes to see him. This is a the tragedy of our world around us. They have no eyes to see God. But there's something more tragic than that. It's when you and I, his children, miss his wonders. It's not because he's not there. It's not because he's, he, he's not at work. It's because we don't look and we don't see. We're so caught up in, in everything that's going on, we miss the Lord's hand. On our lives. One of two things is going to happen in our lives. We're either going to be consumed by the events around us. Or we're going to be consumed by the Lord. Pretty simple, isn't it? One brings nothing but grief. The other brings the abundant blessings of God. We're either going to be consumed by the events around us, by people around us, by hatred, by whatever's going on, or we're going to be consumed by the Lord. Thanksgiving happens when you realize where it's found. In the Lord who created you and who knows what's best for you. Everything else is peripheral. Corey Tinboom uh, writes about her and her sister Betsy and their time in Ravensbrook uh, barracks. She says it was overcrowded and flea-infested. Somehow they had miraculously got a Bible smuggled in. As the two of them read, they they came to a, a section that talked about. Uh, Giving thanks to, to God in all things. I'm, I'm not sure what verse it was. I can guess. And that God could use anything. Betsy decided that that even meant they should praise the Lord for the fleas. Uh, Corey was not so uh, inclined. She didn't like the idea. She didn't like the fleas. They bit and itched and stung. But eventually she, too, praised the Lord for the fleas. Over the next several months, a curious thing happened. The guards uh, stopped entering their barracks. This uh, meant that uh, the women of the barracks were not assaulted as they had been and as they were being in all the other barracks but it wasn't happening in theirs. Without the guards coming in, they could actually get the Bible out and have Bible studies and and have prayer meetings. Right there in the heart of that Nazi concentration camp, Uh, another thing happened. A number of the women in that barracks accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It was only towards the end did they find out that the guards left them alone and didn't enter their barracks. It was because of the fleas. The Lord works in wondrous ways, doesn't he? Ways that we would never ordinarily factor into the equation. Ways that uh, ultimately prove the wonder of his presence. Thanksgiving happens when we realize the wonder of the Lord in a caustic world. Bow with me. Father, it's so easy to get embroiled in what's going on around us. I pray, Father, that we would look to you. We would see that you're here. You're involved, that That we are your creation. That you have a purpose for our lives. I pray this Thanksgiving season we would remember that we praise because of you. And it's in your name I pray.